Have you checked out Joy TV yet? Tune in for your daily source of hope-filled, positive Christian programming. From breaking news reported from a Christ-centered perspective every weeknight to award-winning and crowd-pleasing Christian programs, we're serving up Christ's joy around the clock. Find Joy TV on Rogers Channel 173, Bell Channel 656, Shaw Channel 10, Telus Channel 123, or visit joytv.ca today. Joy TV, it's more than you imagined. Be kind and compassionate to one another, it says in Ephesians. Be tender-hearted toward one another. And what that means practically is be your loved one's biggest encourager, not their biggest critic. And if we'll just choose to lead with encouragement and to always speak the truth through that lens of encouragement, then we'll be on the right track. Dave Willis joins us today on Focus on the Family, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Well, I'm sure you're familiar with the verse in the New Testament of the Bible about the way of love. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Uh, you'll know it when I say it here. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And man, that is uh, what we believe here at Focus on the Family. We want to help you have the best relationships you can have, whether that's in courtship or marriage, uh, with your children, in your friendships, and especially in your relationship with the Lord. So today we want to explore what love truly looks like and help you learn how to build purposeful and intentional relationships with those around you, emulating the love of Christ. And as I said, Dave Willis is with us. Uh, He's a former pastor, a speaker, an author, a relationship coach, and a television host for Marriage Today. He's married to Ashley, and they've been on the broadcast here before. They have four boys, and Dave has a great book called The Seven Laws of Love, Essential Principles for Building Stronger Relationships. Look for that at focusonthefamily.ca. Dave, I just want to say, I love you, brother. Welcome to the program. I love you guys, man. I, I I was having so much fun, I almost forgot we were recording. We, you were just, lost in love there. I was. I just love hanging out with you fellas. So let's let's go there. I mean, we think we know the definition of love. What is love truly? Well, in its most basic form, love is, is commitment. You know, I, I get into broader definitions in the book, but I think that one of the biggest distinctions between our culture's definition of love and God's is our culture looks at love as a feeling, a feeling you have for a while, a feeling you can fall in or out of. But every time we see love in Scripture, it's something that's rooted in action, it's rooted in selflessness, it's rooted in commitment, and Jesus shows us that kind of love and what he has done for us, and then calls us to show that kind of love for each other. And if we'll root our relationships in that kind of love, it will take all of our relationships to a new level. Well, sometimes we so often complicate things, and the older I get and the more I read the Word and walk with the Lord— I think what I hear him whispering is it's not that complex. Yeah. Just simplify it, Jim. Don't overthink it. In fact, uh, you went on a mission trip, I think, to Guatemala, to an orphanage. There you saw a demonstration of love. What happened? What caught your attention? Yeah, I I was at a a really just a world-changing place for me. It's an orphanage called Casa Shalom, uh, which means House of Peace. And this, uh, this orphanage serves about 100 kids at a time. Um, in, in a place where you know the government-run orphanages, there's no foster care system, and the government-run orphanages uh, really have a lot of corruption. Some of these kids have been trafficked into right. sex slavery Exploited. from the people that should have been protecting them. So the, the private-run orphanages, the Christian ones like Casa Shalom, are really just doing a world-changing work. 
And the kids are so full of joy in life. They've been through so much, but most of these kids are running and playing and joyful. And it's just a beautiful picture of God's healing and redemption. But on my first visit there, um, Josh and Jessica Hansen, who are a couple who run the place, Josh was walking us around and all these kids had a heartbreaking story. Uh, and then this teenage girl ran up to him and just gave him the biggest hug. And she was so full of joy in life. And she just hugged him and then went off with some of the other girls to, to play. And he got tears in his eyes. And he says, and that's Margarita. And you know, her story uh, is heartbreaking. She had been abused um, in the worst kinds of way by her dad, and then he, she was taken out of that home, put in the home of a aunt and uncle. Her uncle abused her in the same unspeakable kind of ways. So by the time she got here, she was just broken, and she didn't trust anyone, and with good reason, because everyone that should have ever protected her has, has, had abused her. And so we just did our best to love her. This is a place where we just want to want to love, and we believe in, in God's healing coming through through real love. And so we served her. We loved her. We tried to make her feel safe every way that we could. But weeks went by, months went by, without her barely speaking to any of us. And we just kept loving and kept praying and kept letting her know that she's part of the family here. And then one night, out of the blue, you know, we're, we're sitting out on the hillside, and it's the most beautiful setting. And there's off in the distance, you can see a, a volcano that's still active. Uh, you, you can just see so much beauty there naturally in Guatemala. The little boys are playing soccer. The girls are jumping rope. And, and Margarita comes, and she sits right next to Josh and Jessica, who are sitting on the hillside looking at these kids. And, and she scoots in close, and Josh kind of holds his breath because she's never gotten close to an adult, especially a man. And she gets right next to him, and she puts her head on his shoulder. And he just can't believe what's happening. He just kind of holds his breath. And and then she speaks to him, and in Spanish, she says, you know, when I, I came here, I didn't know I didn't know what it meant to feel safe, but I feel safe here. Hmm. And she said, and I, and I also didn't know what love was or if it was even real. She said, but I know that God loves me, and I know that you love me. Yeah. And then she got up and went off and, and just started playing, and he said, and from that moment on, she's been a different kid. And he, it was such a, a touching and profound moment for them. And for me, just to hear the story, I'm like in tears, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, because it is a picture of what love can do. Well, it's redemption. It too. is. Uh, and being a pastor and you know studying the scripture, I mean, what is that finer definition of love? What did you come to the conclusion that love is what? Love is a commitment and an action that's rooted in selflessness for the sake of the other person ahead of your own. Wow, and, that's good. And that's what God has done for. I mean, Jesus lived that out. He gave His very life. And that's an act of, that's what love looks like. You know, love doesn't look like a heart-shaped box filled with chocolates on Valentine's Day, even though that's nice too. I do love some chocolate. But love is action and it's selflessness. And Jesus said, this is what love looks like. And then in the marriage ministry, Ashley and I do, he, he raised the bar to the extreme level by saying, now, now, husbands, I want you to go love your wives this way. I love my church this way. You go love your wives this way. You know, he, he gave his very life. He, he gave all of himself. And then he said, love each other in, in, in your homes, love each other in marriage, love each other with this kind of same love. He told his disciples, the same way I've loved you, now go love others. And that's our call too. And so like, Jesus, you died for us when we were completely unworthy of it. You gave everything to us when we had no way to repay you. And Jesus is saying, yeah, that's what love is. Now go out into the world and do that and you'll change the world. In the seven laws of love, you mentioned how boundaries produce power in love. Uh, what connect those dots for me? Yeah, I had a friend named named Tommy who kind of gave me the illustration. He said that that you know the the Mississippi River and and kind of the the Florida swamps have the same amount of water, but the Mississippi River is able to take goods and services and people anywhere they want to go 
because it flows in one direction with clear boundaries on both sides, where the swamps and the marshes have all that water, but there are no boundaries. So it's just everything is just kind of wet and nasty. And so, yes, love needs boundaries. And I think people think, well, that doesn't seem right. Love's supposed to be limitless and love's supposed to be, you know, without boundaries. But God gives everything that matters boundaries Mm -hmm. for our protection and not for our limitation, but for our protection. And the seven laws of love are really just outlining what those boundaries are that are going to help love flow freely and powerfully from us to others. Well, you're listening to Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and our guest today is Dave Willis, and uh, his book is called The Seven Laws of Love, Essential Principles for Building Stronger Relationships. And we have copies of that and additional resources at focusonthefamily.ca or when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family. Dave, let me uh, emphasize this because I think in the culture today, um, there is a selfishness that continues to grow. I mean, it feels like when I was five, I didn't feel, and I, you know, I wasn't totally cognizant of everything, but you know, you're becoming aware. It seems like the culture was kinder back then, that we tolerated things a bit more that we didn't have social media biting at each other. Oh, yeah. And so today it feels like, uh, you know, there's just so many things working against loving your neighbor as Christ commanded us to do. I mean, I don't like the way that person looks. I don't like the way that person speaks. I don't like what they say when they speak. So with that, let's dive into the laws because I think the point I'm trying to make here is it's very practical. The church needs to understand what it means to love God and to love your neighbor. And for the rest of the program, that's what we're going to talk about. So law number one uh, is that love requires commitment. So how have we as a culture let commitment fall away? Gosh, in every way, you know, in the, in the marriage work that, that Ashley and I do, you know, we just see all the time that the whole concept of, of a committed marriage is something that's just falling apart in our culture. And that's, that was really the, the kind of the cornerstone of commitment in human relationships that God established. And so if that's falling apart, the ripple effect from that is then what's the point of commitment anywhere? Well, in fact, that kind of proves my point. That's a symptom of something in the soul. It is. And if divorce rates are growing in the Christian community, that would say we, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. We, I mean, really. We're buying into everything the world says about relationships, and they have no idea what they're talking about. But God's Word is is still timeless, and He still has the perfect plan for the way love and relationships are supposed to work. And without commitment, it, it won't exist. Okay. Every bit of love has to exist within a commitment to that person. So rule one is commitment. Yes. Rule two is selfless sacrifice. Okay, now I'm getting uncomfortable. Yeah, of course. Really? You're going to ask me not to do something I really want to do in order to, you know, appease my wife? Come well, on, Dave. That's that's where lo- that's where love is most powerful is when when it when it costs us something because that's really the main distinction between like the world's view of relationships, which is just networking. You know, you do something for me, I'll do something for you, but I'm not going to do more for you than you did for me. I'm it's gonna, all transaction. It's all it's all a transaction. You use a story in this one about your dad sacrificing something. Explain what happened there. Yeah, you know, mom and dad, they they really taught us this growing up. They were uh, always so willing to sacrifice for us, their children, but then we also saw that in the way they treated others, and so they they gave us a a really great example to to look to for what this selfless love can be. But I remember a time when um I was like 5, and then I had brothers who were who were 3 years old and one that was just an infant, and we were we were broke at the time. My family was really on lean times. And dad came home and mom was crying and he said, why are you crying? And, and she said, we're out of milk and we don't have any money to buy any more milk. Mm. 
And I can't imagine that that sense of helplessness and desperation where, you know, you, you've got a crying baby, you've, you're looking at this basic human need, and you don't have a way to meet it. And Dad, in that moment, without, without even thinking twice, he went to his room and he went and grabbed these, these two silver dollar coins that his, his grandmother had given him that had enormous personal significance to it. It was the only thing of hers that he still had. Mm-hmm. And he went to the store with those $2, because to them it didn't represent this family heirloom. It represented meeting a real need for his family. And he plopped them down on the counter and he brought home a gallon of milk. And I didn't know all the details of that story until later um, when mom told me, but I just thought, man, what a powerful example of selflessness, of giving up something we love for someone we love more. And that's really what love is. That's what we as the church are called to do. In fact, Jesus said that's what's going to set us apart. The, The unbelieving world will look to the church and they'll know that it's for real. They'll know you're really following me. Not because of the sign you have out front, not because of anything but love. He said, this is how they'll know you're my disciples, is it in how you love one another. So if we're not making love what it's all about, then we're letting go of, of the most important mandate Jesus ever gave us. Yeah, selfless sacrifice, number two. Uh, number three, and this is a good one to explore a bit, speaking the truth in love. It's certainly a phrase we use as Christians. What does that actually look like? I mean, we can be brutal speaking the truth yeah, in love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't I hurt love your you. feelings, but... You know. I love you, but yeah, you know... Yeah, you're looking have really you looked bad in the mirror today. lately? How I much mean, weight have you gained? Right. It's all that stuff, but we can kind of code it in love, but we're really throwing you a dagger. Yeah, yeah. Well, the truth and love always are inextricably linked. Jesus is the embodiment of both. You know, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying, I'm the embodiment of truth. And he's also, of course, the embodiment of love. They can't exist apart from each other. But the Bible also says you have to, because they're connected so much, you have to speak the truth in love. Just speaking facts apart from love with cruelty in your voice is not speaking truth and it's not speaking love. We've got to be willing to speak the truth in love, which means I'm telling you this, uh, even if it wounds me to say it because it's it's for your good and I'm, I'm saying it out of love. And, and that can happen if we have to kind of correct or admonish one another when we see somebody stepping out in sin and do that in a loving and a humble way. Um, and to invite people to do that for us as well, to have that kind of accountability in a world where we don't we don't like accountability, but we all need it. But we can't be cruel. You know, in, in marriage, we always, we always tell people in, in the marriage ministry, Ashley and I do, that you got to tell each other the truth, but you never, ever, ever, ever get to be cruel. Be kind and compassionate to one another, it says in Ephesians. Be tenderhearted toward one another. And what that means practically is be your loved one's biggest encourager, not their biggest critic. And if we'll just choose to lead with encouragement and to always speak the truth through that lens of encouragement, then we'll be on the right track. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Hi, this is Jim Daly. Is your family feeling tired, restless, even stressed out? Well, you're not alone. These are tough times, and that's why we at Focus on the Family have created something new and helpful for you and your loved ones. It's called Focus at Home, a free on-demand streaming service featuring the faith-filled content from Focus on the Family that you know and trust. With Focus at Home, it's like you're getting access to our content vault. Explore old favorites like Adventures in Odyssey or Radio Theater. Discover new interactive children's stories. And we'll have a few surprises for you along the way. There's something fun for every member of the family. And we'll keep adding fresh titles so you can check in every day. 
Best of all, it's 100% biblically based. Sign up now and get total access to our best content for families during this challenging season. Visit focusonthefamily.ca. Focusonthefamily.ca. This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Number five, you say love offers grace and forgiveness. You had some analogy about uh, forgiveness and mosquitoes. I don't know how you could say those two things in one sentence, but what, how did that go? Forgiveness and mosquitoes. Yes. So mosquitoes and forgiveness, who knew they went together? And what I learned- I'm still skeptical. Yeah, Prove well- Prove it to me. Here's the deal. Like, I am delicious, apparently. Like, there's something about me that when I move to an area, the mosquitoes are like, have you, tried, have you tasted the new guy? He's amazing. Like, I don't know what it is, but they just, I'm like the hot restaurant in town. Everybody wants in. And Ashley, they don't like, you know, even though she's the beautiful and wonderful one, and, and but they don't like her. So they're always coming to me, and she laughs about it. So I've got to lather myself up with mosquito repellent, with DEET and That's all of really that. That's really good stuff. And it is. And so I smell weird, but it keeps them away. And it kind of got me thinking that, you know, just like mosquitoes, a lack of forgiveness in our life can just be something that is so incredibly distracting and annoying and something that, that captures us, our thoughts and our focus and takes away our peace because all we're thinking about are these tiny little things swarming around us when we have the ability to put something on that's going to repel it. And love is really the repellent mm. to that lack of forgiveness because when we choose to love, what it does is it softens our heart and it allows us to let go of those grudges that we're holding on to and to really embrace peace. God doesn't want his kids walking around holding grudges against one another because when you do it, you're the one that suffers. It was St. Augustine who said, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and then hoping the other person dies. Right. And there's so many of us gargling this poison of a lack of forgiveness, trying to punish the people around us when it only hurts us. And Jesus is saying, live in love, live in freedom, and let go of those grudges. Well, and, and it's, you know, the people that have been hurt are hesitant to open themselves up to love because there's always the chance of being hurt again, right? So you, yeah. I guess in some ways you might call that callousing of your heart that you're guarded after a while. But real love is also healing and transformative, as you said at the beginning. What are some steps to take toward finding that kind of healing love, to rip the scabs off, to be able to trust? Yeah, and, and when, you're, when you're hurt, it's hard. It's kind of like if, if you go to the beach and you get sunburned, and then someone comes and they, they pat you on the back and you want to punch them because they've hurt you, not intentionally. They didn't do anything at all wrong. They just touched you in a place you were wounded. And there are a lot of us carrying around kind of this emotional sunburn and scarring all over our hearts because of things that have happened in the past, times we've been hurt. And so the people who are trying to love us now, just by proximity of being around us, it's like they're touching a wound and we're pushing them away. But really, to really experience healing, we've got to be willing to take the risk and let people in, starting first and foremost with Jesus, you know, the ultimate healer, to just find peace and healing in his word and in his promises and in what he says about you, and the fact that he is never going to leave you or forsake you, even if other people in your life did leave you and forsake you, and to find your healing in him, and then to have the courage and the faith 
to allow other people into your life where you can love them. And yes, anytime you're in a relationship, there's an element of risk that you could get hurt. But it's a risk that we have to have the courage to take because love is always worth the risk. Well, and that's the key. I mean, you're going to live a very shallow life if you stay in that protected area and you don't interact with people because you don't want to be wounded. There's lots of rationalizations for that. But I think, you know, trusting God to trust others is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you share a story of a friend of yours. I I think he's a police officer named Jamie. What did he share with you that made an impact on the seventh law, which is love lives forever? Yeah. uh, Jamie's a great guy. And and just a shout out to all of you who are are protecting us as first responders. The work that you guys do is so important and does not go unnoticed. And, you know, Jamie's one of those guys uh, keeping our community safe. And, And part of what he gets called to do, because he is not only a brave protector, but he's also a tender-hearted and compassionate guy, is he gets to do a lot of the death notices. You mm-hmm. know, when, when someone has been killed in an auto accident, he goes to the home and informs the family. When someone has died within a home, you know, he's usually one of the first on the scenes just to be a presence. And he's got this pastor's heart, and he, he provides mm-hmm. a lot of hope and help in those moments. And he was telling me the story of, of being called to a home where an elderly woman had passed away. And he was the first one on the scene. And he went into the house, and the husband was there, and he was just very you know, tenderly and gently stroking his wife's hair and, and kneeling by her bedside and with tears in his eyes. And Jamie started talking to him, and, and this man just started telling all these stories about his wife and, and the love that they had for each other, the love that she had for Jesus and how he knew that she was with Jesus now, the love she had for their family. And, and as Jamie looked around the house, and he just saw all these pictures documenting you know, decades and decades of, of living a life of love, a life worth living. And he realized that, man, this is a woman and this is a couple that they've they've done it right. I mean, this is a love story that really will last forever because because of Jesus, love isn't a story with a happy ending. Love is a story with no ending and one that can continue because of him in eternity. And these are two people that really understood that. And as he shared that story with me, it was just a reminder that, that God is still doing miracles every day just through those simple acts of love. And the sweet thing in that story, if I know it correctly, I think the the man said sixty six years just wasn't enough time to spend together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The most so Im- the most important line of the story, I, I left it out, but what a beautiful line! Yeah, sixty six years together, it wasn't nearly enough time. Yeah, and I think, man, what a what a powerful picture of uh, of the way that a, a marriage should look. Hey, Dave, right at the end here as we're wrapping up, what are some ways we can make the most of every moment with those we love? You had several ideas in the book. We only have time for a couple, but what would you say to the listeners as we end today? I would just say be, number one, an encourager, realizing every word you speak to your loved ones has such power. I mean, God formed the whole world with his words, and then he created us in his image, and he gave us such power in our words to either build up or tear down, and we've got to be intentional about speaking words of love because they really, really matter. I think that we also need to just be present. One of the biggest barriers to love and healthy relationships in our world is the, the technology distraction that we have, and we've, we've got to have some boundaries in place where we turn these things off, put them aside, and have that uninterrupted conversation and connection with one another. And if we'll just start with those things, I think we'll be on the right track. That's so true. I also like the idea of not taking each other for granted. That's kind of in that spot. Laughing more, you mentioned, which I think is great. Quick to forgive. 
which is so difficult sometimes. I don't know why, especially we as Christians. We like to keep score. It's we want right. to, you know, but that nobody wins when we do that. Well, it's good. Uh, you mentioned love is everlasting, and that can be a great legacy, obviously. You knew a family in your hometown that lost their son in a car accident. How was love demonstrated in that instance? Yeah, it was a powerful story. It was a, a family that I'd, I'd grown up with, um, and there was a, a young man named, named Paul, and he had a car accident one night. I didn't know Paul personally, but I went to school. I was in the same grade with his younger sister, Kathy, so I knew of this family well. And Paul, when he was about 19, had a car accident. His family was called to the hospital. One of those calls you never hope you get as a parent. Your son's been in an accident. Get here right away. And when they got there, their worst nightmare was confirmed that, that Paul had passed away in this accident. And in that moment of absolute pain and panic, you know, they can't even think straight. The doctor said, and I hate to ask you this right now, but this is a time-sensitive issue. Um, would you like to donate your son's organs? You know, he was a young, healthy guy. A lot of lives could be saved um, through this tragedy. And so they thought about it, and they said, you know, Paul loved people. We know that he's not in that body anymore. He's with Jesus. He would want us to say yes to this. And so they did. They said yes, and they signed the papers, and they they went on their way just, just grieving the loss of their son. And then after about a year, uh, as they'd kind of gone through that grieving process and were thinking back to their son's life and legacy, they said, you know, we want to meet these people who received one of our son's organs. I mean, they're they're part of our, our family now. They're, they're part of us, and, and they're part of Paul, and we should meet them. And so they reached out to the hospital, and the hospital reached out to these recipients, and every single one of them said, yes, please, mm. we would love to meet you, and thank you. And so they went on this kind of road trip tour just to meet people. They met a woman who'd received one of their son's kidneys, and she hugged them, and she wept and cried and said, thank you. I'm going to get to watch my grandchildren grow up. I'm so sorry for your loss, but because of what you did, I, I have a new life. And, and one by one, there were stories like that. And they waited intentionally to the very end to get to the guy who'd received their son's heart. And so sure enough, they wait till the end, and they, they get to this gentleman's house, and they, they pull up the gravel drive out in the country where he lives. And before Paul's dad had even stopped the car, Paul's mom had flung open the car door and had, had run out of the car because she saw this gentleman standing on his porch. And she ran up to him, and before he could even greet her, before he could even speak, she, she just kind of flung herself into his arms, and she embraced him in a hug that was so tight he couldn't even breathe. And, and after a few moments of kind of awkward silence, he tried to say, hello, it's nice to meet you. And she just said, please don't speak. Please don't speak. And a few moments later, she slowly pulled away and there were, there were tears streaming down her face, but there was a huge smile on her face. And she said, when I hold you close to me, I can feel my son's heart beating inside of you. Hmm. And when I heard that story, it was just a reminder of this reunion we're all going to have with our Father, God, our Father in heaven one day. When we cross from this life into eternity, I believe that the arms that created the universe are going to want to wrap themselves around us, that God is going to run to you like he ran to the prodigal son and wrap us up in a big bear hug. And in that moment, he's not going to want to praise us for how much money we made or how many academic degrees we got or any of those kind of things. I think the first thing he's going to want to say to us is, when I hold you close to me, I can feel my son's heart. I can feel the heart of Jesus, a heart of love beating inside of you. And that's what really matters. In the end, that's all that really matters. And if we'll live life with that kind of perspective, I think it'll keep us on the path God has for us. What a beautiful story. Thanks. I can't see anything right now because my tears. But that is perfect. What a great place to end. And Dave, I'm so grateful to you for your wonderful book, The Seven Laws of Love. 
We've done our best to cover as much as we possibly could, but you, uh, the listener, you need a copy of this. And join us here at Focus Canada in ministry. Uh, Help us financially. Pray for us. And remember, we're so grateful uh, to you, our partners in this ministry, and we'd be honored to have you on the team if you're not already on the team. Donate and help the work of Focus on the Family Canada expand and get your copy of The Seven Laws of Love by Dave Willis. All the details at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A, and the word family. Dave, thanks for being with us. Give our love to Ashley as well. Absolutely. Thanks again, guys. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.